Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. The Book of Psalms is a book of poetry, prayers, and songs that people wrote to God, prayed to God, and even used to lead others in the worship of God. The Psalms give us insight into what a relationship with God looks like and examples of how we can pour out our joys, fears, and our heart's desires to God. Join us weekly as we spend the summer in Psalms. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Can we get a little bit more awakeness? I need to be awoken. Morning, Valleybrook. There we go. All right. (laughs) My name is David Seiler. I'm the student pastor here, and I'm so glad that all of you are here with us this morning. So some of you know my son, Oliver, if you are ever here on Sunday morning, and he is, and there's a little child who tries to run up on the stage during worship, that's my son. So he is a small child, but he is a giant ball of energy smashed inside of a tiny body. He does not know how to sit still. He runs all around the house. He was even sick in the hospital this week, and he was still running around. He would run around and then he would get tired and he would cough, and then he would run around again and climb all over things. And so he is, again, a giant ball of energy smashed inside a tiny body. When we do not hear him in the house, that's kind of a danger sign. We know that he is either getting into trouble, he's climbing up his bookshelf to get things on the top shelf that he shouldn't have, or he is sitting quietly in his room reading. It's like one or the other, it's all or it's nothing. So for the longest time, all Oliver wanted to do is watch videos on YouTube about numbers and letters, and he had no interest in anything with a story unless it was a story of numbers or letters. And that was great initially when he was learning his letters, he was learning his numbers and all of those things, he was learning to count to high numbers, and we were like, wow, this is great. And then he learned them all, And like a year later, he still wanted to do that. So we were just wondering, like, when is he going to want to see a story? Like, when can we begin watching movies with him? And he definitely at that time could not watch an entire movie because we would get five to ten minutes into it. And he would say, something different? Because he's just impatient and has to be moving and has to have change all the time. So Oliver, he has a new love for the Toy Story movies. Not exactly sure what started it or where it came from, but now he wants to watch them constantly. His favorite one is two, but he loves all of them. The other day, I think he watched two um, straight through, like five times in a row. So he has an absolute love for the Toy Story movies. So Amber and I have also gained a complete knowledge of the Toy Story and even the backstory and all the secrets behind the Toy Story. So all this to say, Most of you know that the Toy Story movies have some major characters that are in all or most of the movies. We have Buzz Lightyear, you have Mr. Potato Head, later Mrs. Potato Head comes along, there's Slinky Dog, there's Rex the Dinosaur, there's Bo Peep, Jesse, Bullseye, you have Ham the the Pig, and there are some others, but pretty much all of the movies, they center around Woody the Cowboy. Something interesting about Woody is that beyond his initial jealousy of Buzz and trying to get rid of Buzz, 
at the beginning of the first movie, he's somewhat of a savior. And he has to go out of his way to protect every single toy. And it might be that one is getting taken away to be sold in the yard sale. He's gonna like dive out of the window to go and try to sneak them back in the house. Like no matter what is happening, he has to save and has to protect every single toy. And he does this no matter what consequence it may have on his own life. He also does it to save toys that are part of his group, but he also goes out of his way to make sure that his owners stay happy and are taken care of. He does this even if the toy is actually trash, as Forky calls himself multiple times in Toy Story 4. Thankfully, no matter what kind of trouble Woody got into to be a savior, to protect the other toys, he could be assured that the other toys were right behind him to help and protect him. So why in the world am I here talking about Toy Story? This is church, right? So the reason that I'm talking about this, because obviously because of Oliver, it's kind of on my mind constantly. But Psalm 121 talks a lot about God's protection for his people. And after seeing Toy Story movies every single day for the last three or four weeks, I couldn't help but see some similarity to Woody's selflessness, Woody's protection that he and the other toys offered as somewhat similar. So to give a little bit of background to Psalm 121, it's a part of the Songs of Ascent that begin in Psalm 120. These are likely being sung as Jewish pilgrims ascended to Jerusalem for worship during three festivals. Most likely, many of the songs were written by a lot of different people. A lot of the psalms in the book of Psalms were written by King David, but then some are not. And I think a lot of the psalms in the Songs of Ascent are written by, by multiple um, different people. Some are written by David, but, but most uh, I don't think are. So in Psalm 120, to give a little bit of a background, we see the writer, he's calling out to God for deliverance from the deceit around him. He's distressed by people who are around him, who are stirring up war, but he is seeking peace with God and peace all around him. And, you know, I feel like this almost daily, like we are surrounded by arguments, we're surrounded by debates on TV, debates in different news sources, debates maybe at work, and then there's always debates on social media. Someone just has to post something controversial on Facebook and then people like yell and argue about it back and forth, but obviously in the end serves no purpose. So I totally understand where the writer is coming from when he is just seeking peace and it's a peace that can come only from God. So while Psalm 120 is about a cry to God for protection, a cry for peace, Psalm 121 is intended to give us confidence in God's tireless care for us. So again, Psalm 121, it's written along a journey up to Jerusalem for worship to God. And this psalm is interesting because it has two different people talking. Um, some people, some um, scholars have said that it's, it begins with one person talking and then the other conversation is one that he has with himself inside of his head. Um, but I think more likely uh, because it's a journey of a lot of pilgrims that it's one person and he's a younger person, he begins talking and then 
there's an older pilgrim who's with him that's giving some words of wisdom to him. So, this chapter is only eight verses long, but I want to break it down a little bit because I feel like there's a lot to learn, a lot to understand, and a lot that we can really gain from this. So, Pastor John MacArthur describes Psalm 121 as a psalm of assurance, and I think that really rings true to the overarching theme of this psalm. The first thing I want us to gain from this is from verses one and two, and it's the fact that God is a helper. So the chapter begins with a young man, he's asking a question, and then he ends up answering it for himself. So he says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? And then he answers it as, my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and earth. So the first thing I read is when he says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. So the question comes, why is he lifting his eyes to the hills? Is it that there's concern of his safety? Is it that he's thinking, wow, we have a long ways to go? Uh, what I think is I think that there are hills all around him. Hills on both sides, maybe a hill ahead to climb. Most likely they were in the desert, so they weren't... Uh, rolling hills with trees and stuff, but it was, you know, desert land with a lot of, a lot of sand and probably uh, even multiple ways to, for people to hide. So as he looks up to the hills and he says, where does my help come? There's probably a little bit of fear here. Pastor Dan Danny Aiken says, the hills sheltered bandits and they were also homes to pagan gods who Jeremiah 3 describes as living in the high places. So when I'm, when I'm reading this and I'm picturing them on this journey, I picture the scene from Star Wars Episode 4, where a young Luke Skywalker, he's on his journey looking for R2-D2. And in this, in this scene, before, the th before they are attacked, you see sand people all around them up in the hills looking down at Luke, and R2-D2, or Luke and C-3PO, and they're thinking about, and they're plotting their attack. And we see later that thankfully Ben Kenobi is also looking down on them and was able to scare off the sand people and protect them. These are just the things that go through my mind as a youth pastor, and the ways that I relate scripture to, you know, media and things in real life. But so even though the pilgrims in the psalm, they're traveling as a group, they weren't traveling alone, it could have been a dangerous journey to Jerusalem. He may have been looking up and all around him. Maybe he sees, or he thinks he sees a person hiding. And also, at that point, pagan gods were extremely common, and even if people were followers of the living and true God, there was still probably a little bit of concern of what the pagan gods may be doing if, in fact, they were real gods. So. The young man, he's a little concerned, and he says, where does my help come from? And he answers his own question, and he says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So something I want to note here in verse 2, his help does not come from a generic or a general random God or a God that you could say is the same as the pagan gods that are hiding in the hills. This help comes 
not even simply from the creator God. His help comes from the Lord, the master, the ruler and creator of the entire earth and everything in it. The fact that he is the Lord, the creator of heaven, the creator of earth, it emphasizes God's power. And it emphasizes the fact that no power from any pagan gods can hinder or defeat him. So he's saying that help, that protection comes not only from, from God, but from Lord, from my protector, from the creator of the universe who is greater and stronger than any of these other gods that people worship. The second thing we see in verses three to eight, and there's a few little parts of this that I wanna break down, but here we see God as a protector. In verses three through eight, the verb protect appears six different times. The ESV translates it as keep, and the NIV shows it as watch over. This word comes from the Hebrew shamar, which means to keep, guard, watch over, or attend carefully. So this passage shows us that he was not, and he currently is not a distant God. It's easy a lot of times for people to see God as just you know, some God who's far away. Maybe they believe that he created earth, but then he just kind of left. And he left us to do what we want, to live our lives the way that we want to. But we see here and we see throughout scripture that he is not a distant God. You know, we see here from the Hebrew Shamar that he is here to keep, to guard, to watch over, and to attend carefully. When you attend something carefully, that means that you are you know, constantly keeping an eye on it. You're constantly protecting it. If it comes to, you know, maybe like something that you're helping to grow, like a plant, or when you're looking to cook food or things like that, you have to watch it carefully to make sure that it all goes well. If you have a child or you have a pet that you're really trying to take care of and keep alive and protect them, you're going to be watching them all the time. So that is the God who is, who is here, who is watching over us and is not distant. So there's tr three truths we see in verses three through eight, different aspects of God as protector that I want to look at. The first thing is the Lord's watch care is constant. That's in verses three through four where he says, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will not slumber or will not sleep. So in verse four, you know, it says, the Lord who keeps you. Again, the NIV says, the Lord who watches over Israel. He will hold us up, he will protect us. This can be protection from harm of others, but also harm for ourselves in slipping away from him. When it says, he will not let your foot be moved. That doesn't mean that he's gonna like latch onto your foot and not gonna let you make any mistakes. But what it does mean is that even when you try to go away from God or even when you go into trouble, his hand is still going to be there. He's gonna let us make mistakes. He's gonna let us do dumb things, but he still has a hand of protection in all of it. Jude 24 says, 
Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy. To make it even better, he's a constant protector because he never gets tired and never sleeps. He never needs a break, never dozes off, never says, oh, he'll be fine for a little while, and then, then goes on and focuses on other things. He is all-powerful, all-knowing God, and he is able to do this for everyone without missing a beat. He sees everything, and he knows everything that will happen before it even happens. So one of the significant things um, for, especially for the Jewish people in this, where it says he never, he never sleeps, he never slumbers, he never rests. One of the things about the pagan gods during that time is it was common belief that they did, that they did rest and that they did kind of take time away and maybe they weren't always there. So this is saying this is so different about God about the creator of the universe because he's always there. He doesn't rest. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't, he can focus on everyone and everything in the world because he doesn't have to kind of go in different directions. It's not, well, I have to focus on this child now and then I have to go to this one and then back to this one and then focus on letting the dog out and all of these different things that we have to do. He's there. He's all the time. He never sleeps, never needs a break. The second thing I want to look at is verse 5 through 6 where we see the Lord's watch care is comforting. In verse 5, it starts out, says, the Lord is your keeper. Again, the NIV says, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord gives us comfort in the fact that he shields us and protects us from every threat. In verse five, the right hand, it represents a place of human need. So he is our shade, our protector in the place of human need. Just to note, this does not mean that we will always have everything that we want or that absolutely nothing bad will ever happen to us. It doesn't mean that, you know, like some people may like, kind of carry their children everywhere. You know, you see kind of the, the helicopter parent that has to like completely watch over and protect their child from every single thing. God isn't going to protect us from every single bad thing that may happen. But what it does mean that if we are followers of Christ, like he's got this. He's not surprised by things that happen. There may be so many things in your life that could have happened to you because of mistakes that you made or because of, you know, things in your family or things that other people in school or at your work or things like that, that God may have protected us from that we don't even know about. So again, it doesn't mean that nothing bad will ever happen, but it means that if you're a follower of Christ, like, God's got this. He knows. He has that hand of protection. He's not surprised when we are struggling. He's not surprised when we are having issues at home, when we're struggling to find a job or struggling to pay the bills, or struggling in any other way. We have to trust him, we have to seek after him, and we have to follow him. So, the last thing we see in verse seven and eight is the Lord's watch is comprehensive. The Lord will keep you from all evil, says in verse seven, he will keep your life. Verse eight says, 
the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So here the writer, he points not only to the present, not only on the journey from where they are to Jerusalem, but he points to the future. This protection that God offers is comprehensive. It's not only talking about the journey that they were on at that point. It's not only talking about the journey that we are on right now in the present. It is our whole life. He will keep us. He will watch over us when we come and when we go forever and ever. He is our shepherd in this life. A little while ago, a few weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 23. And it says, even when we go through the darkest valley, we can fear no evil because our shepherd is with us. These verses, you know, the passage from Psalm 23, it can give followers of Christ an assurance of protection. It gives us an assurance of salvation and eternal life. No evil can take us away from God because he is our shepherd, we are his sheep, and he will come after us. So what's the takeaway here? Like, when we leave each Sunday, I want us to kind of know, hey, like, what, where do we go from here? What should we learn? Like, this is a, you know, great passage, and it's easy to look at this psalm as a kind of feel-good psalm. It's comforting, it's encouraging, and for believers, for followers of Christ, it is comforting, it is encouraging. Here we see the fact that God and the creator of the universe loves us. He watches over us. He protects us. He, he keeps us. He keeps hold on us and protects us. This doesn't mean that he gives us everything that we want. And some false teachers even say that, that God's whole goal is for us to have our best life. And that's not what it means. It's not about that. This protection means that God's purposes and God's plans cannot be thwarted. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We are his sheep, and he will watch over his sheep through the whole life and ultimately bring us to new life with him. Again, like bad things will happen in our lives. We will make mistakes. There will be consequences for those mistakes. Other people around us may make mistakes and do things that cause us harm. But again, God's got this. Like God knows about all these things. He is not surprised by any of these things. He is our shepherd who watches over us. And again, we have no idea how many things may have happened to us that God protected us from. Like we don't even know about those things. So here's, here's the bad part. The bad part is that this psalm does not apply to everyone. God doesn't offer this protection to everyone in the world. It's not a catch-all cry that he wants everyone to have a great life, to enjoy it, to have that comfort. This psalm is written specifically describing God's relationship and interaction with those who are his children, with those who have made the decision to follow him, with those who have made the decision to make him the Lord of their life. Honestly, this doesn't even apply to everyone who believes in God. There are many non-Christians who believe in a creator God. They say, yes, there is a God out there somewhere, but they do not have a relationship with him. 
Even some atheist in times of trouble will cry out, God, help me. Or God, why are you doing this to me? Like, many people believe that a God exists, but they do not know him as Savior and Lord. He simply exists as a distant God, not a Savior, not a protector. Honestly, it doesn't even apply to someone who goes to church or calls themselves Christians. There are many who call themselves Christians whose lives are no different than those who do not call themselves Christians. There's many who call themselves Christians when they're asked, you know, is this okay, is this not okay, you know, what do you believe about this, who their answer is the exact same as someone who is not a Christian who may not even believe that God exists. So it doesn't even apply to everyone who calls themselves Christians. The promises of Psalm 121 are written for people who have a life-changing relationship with Christ and who have made Jesus the Lord of their life. This is a decision that means admitting that you are a sinner and that you do not deserve a relationship with God or his protection. It means confessing and repenting of the sins and mistakes that have been made in their life. It means recognizing that Jesus is the Savior and the only way to forgiveness. And it means asking him to be the Lord of your life and give you a new life that follows him. If this is something that you want to do or something that you have questions about, please come and see me after the service. I would love to talk with you about it, walk you through what that means. You can also send us an email at connect at valleybrook.cc. And that may be if you're online and you have questions now, you know, send us that email, ask your online host. Or it may mean that, you know, this message kind of resounds with you and you continue thinking about it as the week goes on. Like, don't hesitate. Please send us an email. We'd love to talk with you. And if you are already a follower of Christ, it is important that we do not forget the God who saved us and the God who watches over us. We need to spend time daily studying his word and spend time daily thanking him and praising him for all that he has done. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for this psalm and your word and the protection that you offer us. God, I thank you that you are the keeper, that you are the protector. And God, that is just something, again, that we do not deserve it all. And God, I pray that, um, that this message and, and these words from the psalm will really um, connect with our lives. God, that we will, we will leave this not being the same that if, we don't, if someone doesn't know you, God, that they will um, just continue to kind of mull over this and think about it and think about who you um, could be in their lives. And God, again, if um, there are people here God, those who are, of us who are followers of Christ, I pray that we will continue focusing on you and that we'll spend time daily studying your word and, and praying to you and praising you for all that you've done. God, you have a plan. God, you've got this. I pray as we go into worship that we will just spend this time praising you and thinking about your word. Just there, pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.